Hi everyone, it's Noah Coughlin, founder and CEO of BuildUp.com. I am excited to introduce The Big Dig, a new monthly podcast presented by BuildUp in Nayot, Massachusetts, the Commercial Real Estate Development Association. This series will focus on trending topics within commercial real estate and feature interviews with top minds in the industry. This month, Megan Doherty, BuildUp's market manager, sat down with Kristen Blount of Colliers International, Craig Robinson of WeWork, and Karina Sylvester of Gensler to discuss co-working from BuildUp's headquarters at GSV Labs in Boston. Fresh off NAOP's co-working event, the panel discussed how co-working is disrupting the office market across the globe. As the lines between work and home continue to blur, more and more employers of all sizes are moving towards flexible spaces that offer the diversity of choice and amenities needed to attract top talent. As our panel points out, this trend is now mainstream and used by many corporations, both large and small. The future of work and business is not only about productivity, but also, and maybe more importantly, about how you feel while you're at work. The rise of co-working has been meteoric. WeWork, the acknowledged leader in this arena, has grown from just one location in Soho to over 550 locations in 100 cities throughout the globe in just eight years. Traditional landlords are now adopting flexible lease terms and additional amenities to stay competitive, while several of the world's largest landlords are starting to invest in co-working or creating their own co-working concepts. NAOP has also jumped on the co-working bandwagon, offering a drop-in workspace downtown called Link, exclusive for their members. At BuildUp, we are very familiar with this trend as we operate from a co-working space, GSV Labs. That is where we are recording today. Thank you, Kristen, Karina, and Craig for joining us here. Let's start by touching on what has made co-working so popular, even with larger companies. Craig? Well, I think there has been this desire um, for people to feel connected and to feel a part of community, and as much as there was a desire to have flexible space options. And so very early on, uh, WeWork saw that need and really, I think, was a leader um, at exploring and, and, and building products around that. And, and so over time, as we saw just the need for flexible space options for small businesses, freelancers, um, mom and pops, um, we started to notice something really interesting, uh, is that they weren't the only ones who wanted that. Uh, big companies wanted that as well. So there's this really interesting dynamic, um, Megan, where um, small companies want to be big companies. They want to scale. They want to grow. They want to feel connected to other employees, which we can do in, in, in kind of our communities. But big companies want to be nimble and entrepreneurial and, and be a part of these creative environments. Um, and so what we've done is created flexible space options where, you know, that community exists for both. And Kristen, what have you seen in the market uh, what demands have you seen from your clients? So traditionally, the Boston market was really dominated by the um, the big traditional users, let's say like the professional services, the financial services. For many years, those, are, those were the drivers in the Boston economy. I think in the last probably five years or so, we've seen that shift change. So the drivers are now really the TAMI companies. Uh, those companies are the technology, advertising, media, and information, and, and, and we think that's actually changed because, um, because our economy as a whole has changed. You know, if you look at the evolution of our, our economy as a whole, you'd think 
well, we went from like an industrial economy to more of a knowledge-based economy. And really now we're in, a, in, in more of an innovation uh, based economy. And so we're seeing that play out in not just the major cities, but really every place around the world where in this global economy where we live, manufacturing is done in some place. Um, you know, now other things are done in other places, in, in other countries. And so here, uh, what we have here is we have talent. We have, we have talent. And so companies are now looking at the way they use real estate. And they're saying, instead of, instead of it sort of being just the bottom line, what's it cost? And what's my price per square foot? And how many bodies can I squeeze into that, et cetera, et cetera. Most of the companies are now looking at it saying, my talent is the most important asset that I have. So what can I do to make my space an asset versus a straight liability? So that's why things like WeWork, like flexible space, um, that's why we've, we've seen, or at least from my perspective and the clients that we work with, that's what we've seen a change because culture's changed. We want to cooperate. We don't want to compete. Uh, that doesn't that model doesn't work anymore in today's world. If I could just piggyback, Kristen, yeah. I think you're spot on. I mean, one of the the aha moments for us when we started to see a real opportunity in the enterprise space, which we define as customer organizations that have a thousand employees or more, um, w was that on average, and now these are we've got two thousand of these type customers that represent almost uh, thirty percent of the Fortune 500 companies are in WeWork spaces. And, 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 and half of them are telling us that the reason why they're coming into our spaces um, is because they want to be a part of an entrepreneurial creative environment, which means it's about talent and it's about being connected to other organizations, ecosystems of talent, which is a really different reason than why, you know, when we talk about AWS 15 years ago, it was about utilization and how do I get people to share a seat? Now the impetus is something much more value-based, like how can I attract and retain and drive productivity? Uh, and then, of course, at the portfolio level, um, you're right, we're, we're just seeing so many of them say we want the freedom and the flexibility to be agile as a business, right? And so it's a really different conversation that we were having, you know, 10 years ago. I think Karina can probably speak to this better than anyone else, but I think we've changed the definition of work. So work used to be someplace that you went every day. Work now is really something that you do. Yes. And I bet you see that play out in everything you do. Absolutely. And I think the environments within which we want to work are shifting dramatically and evolving. And, you know, as, as both of you have already mentioned, the appetite for the different types of co-working is tremendous. And so, you know, we've heard the stat of 65% of companies will be in co-working environments or bring them into their own portfolio by 2020. And really that, you know, that will take many different shapes and forms. And that kind of baseline one is, is the desire for flexibility, but absolutely creating places for for them to continue to innovate or be more creative, but also to invite in community. So sometimes, you know, thinking about Boston and the tremendous uh, education opportunities and universities here to be able to bring in students to collaborate or co-create is, is really exciting and, and to cre create space either within their own environments or to, um, you know, pop up in, in a place like a WeWork uh, to do that is, is really exciting. And the other piece is, is also taking advantage of real estate that's underutilized within their own portfolio. So often, uh, you know, efficiency is, is, a, is a buzzword these days, and, and they're trying to look at 
uh, how much space is being used on a day-to-day -day basis and how many people are coming into the office each day and some of our infrastructures are changing such that we don't need as much uh, real estate dedicated to those so there might be pockets of, of owned or leased space that could be better used for for other reasons to really kind of inspire and, and bring in uh, new talent and new ideas. 100%. I want to say just, I want to say something really big here, and that is that, um, drum roll. Drum roll. Um, I think that that's, that what, what companies like WeWork have brought to the table for us is they're real disruptors. And I think we, in our industry, really need to look at and look forward and say, what does this mean for us? Um, how do we, how do we make sure that the needs of our clients and our customers are met? And, and that's what companies like you are doing. But I just think long term, I think uh, we heard Brian Coop say this morning that the long term lease, the long and strong, price by square footage and, and things like that, um, that might that may shift in the future. You know, companies, even the long and strongs, even the ones that traditionally don't have as much volatility in their business plans, they may want to have shorter terms. They may not want to have capital to put into the space. And, and so it's, it's companies like WeWork that are addressing this, but we as an industry kind of need to look at this and say, this is where we're going. This is yeah. going to be the future. I think it's not just about dollars and square footage, but certainly about experience and creating these settings that really um, connect to what's human. And I think, Craig, you said a lot about this earlier, that it's all about kind of purpose-driven, mission-driven, connected to community, and now that's essential in creating a successful workplace. In fact, we, we're even elevating the conversation, um, certainly internally and hopefully just at, you know, at the broader community level, um, that this is really about humanity. This is really about um, people. At, at the most fundamental level, which is why we have um, rebranded ourselves as the We Company, and, and our mission is really, really simple. It's to elevate the world's consciousness, and we're going to do that through three ways, right? We've got We Live, which is our residential, um, you know, kind of product and community, which is to create a world where no one feels lonely. Like who, 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 who does that, right? That's what we're thinking about. And then we have We Grow, which is our school, which is again getting into how do we unlock every human being's superpower. Um, but of course, we spend most of you know our time on Earth above this soil uh, at work. So our only chance of really being fulfilled is to also have like a compelling way to create these connections and experiences and community and work. And you know, our mission is really simple: is we want to create a world where people work to make a life and not just a living. Right? The idea that I want to be excited to go to work. And, and oh, by the way, if I'm more fulfilled, I'm going to produce more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to serve my clients better. And all of these things are really connected. So, you know, I think the broader conversation is how do we think about creating community and connections even outside of the workplace, right? Where people live, where do you go to school, where they shop. Um, so, which is why you're going to see we work continue to bring to the market, you know, retail offerings like Made by We and, um, and other things because we really feel strongly in this kind of meta level of connectivity. So, so how do you curate that? Like, how does that, how does that work within the space itself? What, is it through services? Is it through, so what if you've got, so what if you're in this flexible environment and you, um, you want to create an environment where people are um, inspiring each other to innovate and such? How do you how do you inspire them to do that? And what are some what if some of them are introverted? Yeah. Yes. 
So that's a great that's a great question. Um, so what we often do when we're thinking about programming for for workplace now is think about the mix of variety and choice that fulfill not just the task base parts of your day, but also kind of achieve this kind of multimodal uh, mix of space types. So, you know, ensuring there's lots of variety and choice for you to do individual focus work, whether it's a, a desk with a monitor or an enclosed uh, focus room, or you could have a standing session or kind of support different postures, but then also find avenues and, and places and um, environments that can really promote interaction and connectivity because some of the most exciting exchanges are those serendipitous interactions that happen on your way to the coffee machine or on the way to the restroom. And so we want to build out spaces that bring people together, not just for the planned meetings. I, you know, I would just add, Karina, and I think you're 100% spot on. I began my career at Trammell Crow Company, and Trammell Crow is one of the prolific developers of the 80s. And, and in that generation, it was a build it and they'll come. I'm going to build product in anticipation that there's demand out there that's going to fill it, right? Um, and, and I think we still, as an industry, kind of carried that hubris. Like, I'm just going to put cool furniture out there and they're going to love it. You know, I'm going to put like, you know, um, some, you know, uh, video games in the lobby and they're going to love it. And I think we've moved to one exactly what you just said. It's just acknowledging that there's lots of different types of, you know, people and styles of work and things that this space needs to really accommodate um, and be flexible to evolve over time as the people in that space evolve, right? Like, it's not like I wait till my the fifth year of my lease and then I go and do a utilization study and figure out what we want to do next. So, which is why we're now, you know, with Part by We, we're, we're actually even taking it a step further, which is actually understanding what is your culture what is your brand what are your aspirations um and really being purpose-built around designing um and building space but then also operating it so you asked the question Kristen, like what what how do we do it uh well we come in and do what you do um karina with the consulting on the front end we do an envision study we think about the space we understand their needs then we program and we design it then we build it and then we actually have our own people in that space they stay after we've turned the space over and operate it so we just don't turn over a wonderful space and just assume that people are going to have that experience. We, we have to curate the experience. We have to program it. We have to have someone there who's noticing someone came in and just they, were, they, weren't, they didn't have a smile on their face. Like why? And care about that. So we think like it really is the, the Indian integration of all of these things, um, technology, services, and space that really drives that experience. So obviously, you know, there's been a lot of talk about making people happy have has there been an effect on productivity with this um have are the happier workers working better well absolutely we're we're, we're seeing a ton of um evidence that is both measured and observed versus also reported um from our members who are telling us that you know one they're, they're more productive. As an example, one large technology company that's um, been using our global access card, which is a way to have access to all of the, you know, 425 locations we have around the globe, but they had a sales team in New York um, that we gave all, you know, the sales team these cards so that they can have access to all of our different locations in New York. And they reported significantly higher levels of productivity. Over 80% said they were more productive. Um, over 90% said they really enjoyed being in the space. Um, and, uh, and, and I want to say like over 75% said that they had better access to their customers. So in terms of just having hard metrics around like a sales team, which you, you can really measure that, right? 
um, saw some really strong um, metrics around just the ability to have flexibility in space really translate into productivity in terms of sales. Absolutely. And at Gensler, uh, we leverage what we call the WPI. So it's a workplace performance index, which is a survey that we put out to employees before a change happens. So, you know, in their existing space to understand what's working well, what's not, um, where are their challenges that impede them, the ability to do work successfully, but then also what kind of, how's the perception on satisfaction and uh, wanting to come to work every day. And then we, we love to compare that after a change and actually do a post-occupancy evaluation as well. And so we can benchmark within the same company how they're doing at different sites before and after changes. But then we can also do it within industries or across industries to say, well, here's where you are. Here's how you stack up to, to others that um, are, are trying to solve a similar problem. So... Obviously, WeWork is evolving, um, and as you know, the age of people in the spaces, as you know, the millennials age and a new generation comes in. How do we see these spaces uh, changing uh, into the future? I, I think the you know shift in mindset um, is is really key to answering that that question real time, which is, you know, I think moving from being kind of product and space centric to being customer centric, right? Like, let's be purpose built around the evolving and emerging needs of customers versus anticipating this is going to be some cool space that they're going to love and let me. And so I think we have to be really careful not to kind of revert back to um, kind of the old way of thinking. Uh, But, you know, but my sense is that a few things are here to stay. Um, organizations are going to continue to want more flexibility. They're going to want more choices. Um, nine out of 10, um, you know, folks surveyed said they actually want to work alongside their coworkers in space. They just want options. Um, so it's not like folks just want to work from home, like we're moving to a completely virtual, you know, kind of real estate ecosystem. I think people are going to want more community and more connectivity. Um, again, these are just kind of human principles. So how that manifests itself in terms of, you know, the built environment, in terms of styles and architectural, you know, aesthetics and that type of stuff, we don't know. I think part of the key is just to continue to listen to the customer and involve with them. I would argue, too, that a lot of this is sort of non-age um, classified. I think um, to speak to what you said earlier, Craig, people are people. And and really, when you go to an office building or an office, it's really just a, a, a big group of people. And some people are better with heads down and some people are better with chaos. And um, and it, it doesn't it's not necessarily age related, um, I think. I think that's right. I think it's just the millennials that drove it. And, you know, it was things like, well, I, well I'm not a millennial. You, nobody on this podcast can actually see me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer. And, um, but, you know, when I went to school, school was like an individual sport, right? You went in, you listened to the teacher talk at you, you, um, you took your test, you were done. Um, my kids, however, um, at school, school is a team sport. And it's more about sort of collaboration and putting the, the minds together and, and, and things like that. And I think those are things that we um, have learned from the millennials and from the younger people. But I still think we're human and we embrace being with other people or sometimes we embrace having our heads downtime. What's what's really interesting um, when I think about when we grew up, I'm an ex also, right? Um, and I share it with the, share it with the folks this morning on our panel that, you know, 
few thousand years ago, we were, you know, farmers and the purpose of work was to survive. Then as we were industrialized, the purpose of work was really to be satisfied so we didn't strike. And that's what managers wanted us to do is just like, just keep them happy so they don't walk out the shop floor. Um, and then for most of the past, you know, two, three decades has been about engagement. Like I'm busy, I'm productive. But we think that the future of work is going to be largely, um, to your question, Megan, about how people feel. And do people feel fulfilled? Do they feel purpose? Do they feel like they're growing? Do they feel connected to a community? And I think there are lots of ways, technology, space, um, you know, networks that we can, you know, um, integrate to really drive and create opportunities for people to feel fulfilled. And oh, by the way, it's really tough to be fulfilled as a person if you're not fulfilled at work. Because guess what? That's where you spend most of your time. Like you can't be a weekend warrior. Like I'm going to wait till Saturday and Sunday to be happy. Um, why not Monday through Friday? Yeah. And to add to that, uh, we did a great study with students at MIT trying to get our our hand on the pulse of uh, what they care about and what they're going to care about in in their future work environments. And uh, we heard many of them say that it was more important to work for a company that was making a difference in the world than to have a higher salary. And so we're seeing that come up and, and that that's something that's going to be pervasive in, in how jobs are being selected. That might change when they have to pay college tuitions. But um, <laughs> that's, that's right. Like. <laughs> so I think the other big question on everyone's mind is uh, what happens to these spaces in the event of a downturn? Um, Kristen, do you want to? Um, I, I will. Um, I think Craig will. Yeah. It's better to address this, but actually, um, I think, so I'll, I'll speak from the standpoint of the landlords yes. that have done their flexible spaces, and I think um, the reason why some of these landlords like Boston Properties or Tishman have done these is because they are, um, maybe it's future option space, um, they're, you know, maybe it's a short term, because honestly, when things are not so great, uh, a lot of times companies don't want to do long term. Um, because they don't know what's going to happen in their own businesses. So um, anything that's shorter term and that's built out, because again, don't want to spend money on capital, um, actually could be a benefit. So uh, I'm not really personally not that afraid of what could happen with these types of spaces in the event of a downturn. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm actually very bullish and optimistic um, about you know, cycles in general. Um, but by and large, in a downturn, I think people want more flexibility, not less. I think as uncertainty around whether or not we're at the bottom, are we starting to tip back up? Are we confident in our business? Um, are we confident enough to start hiring? All of those types of things which represent uncertainty speaks into people's discomfort with like committing to long-term leases. So I think flexibility will become, you know, more on vogue and not less. And then I also think to our ability to densify and to restack the portfolios and to drive consolidation and to do all of the different things that we can um, that really are tools in our quiver to help people use their space better, which is a big part of what Powered by We is. Like how do we go into your leases, go into your own spaces and allow you to use that space better? Um, I think it's going to be in greater demand. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I think uh, we're also going to just see that as an opportunity to expand and grow our business. I mean, I would think that they're designed too. I mean, they're, they're flexible workspaces that are, that can be, I mean, everything's modular, even the walls, right, Karina? So they're, um, you know, they're creating these spaces that can 
possibly work for anybody under any circumstance um, into the future. I mean, you can probably speak to that better than me. Yeah, I mean, we do have uh, some clients who come to us uh, both with future growth or, you know, anticipating that they may shrink in, in the future when, when they're starting a project. And so they might be thinking about uh, designing a space such that they could partition it over time um, or partitioning it to start and, and knowing that they're going to want to grow into it, but they don't know when. And so they might sublease to someone else, um, but they want it to meet their standards and align to the rest of their workspace. And so they're kind of thinking about that at the onset. Um, in addition, sometimes we use things like uh, demountable partitions to allow for flexibility more easily over time. As you know, as your needs change or as your teams evolve, maybe you want to start working in a more agile way, and that requires a different type of uh, complement or mix of space types. Then uh, those types of settings can uh, be easier to evolve more quickly. So I think as a final question, I would uh, ask just kind of one, you know, tidbit that maybe people don't know about co-working. Um, if you guys could share that with us. Craig, you want to start? Well, I'll, I'll end with where I, I began and, and that co-working is just one small, very thin sliver of a much broader trend um, around how people are thinking about their relationship to each other, their relationship to work, their relationship to the other institutions in their lives. And and as I, um, you know, took an Uber and then opted for the Uber pool, which I had not done before, I realized I myself am more comfortable with not only sharing something that I'd historically growing up in Atlanta had never shared, but I'm comfortable sharing it with someone at the same time. And I don't know that, you know, we had ever imagined that we'd be comfortable doing that type of thing. Now imagine what the implications are for space, for schools, for retail, for housing. Um, so co-working is just the tip of a spear of a much, much bigger opportunity that we're really excited about. And, and I think WeWork spends a lot of time, the We Company spends a lot of time thinking about how can we meet and speak to those unmet needs across the entire human experience. I would have to build on what Craig just said, and I think I think this is just the beginning. I think it's only the beginning, and um, and we're gonna sit in the same room a year from now, and we'll talk about <laughs> what it looks like or what our climate looks like. And I think uh, for us who envision, design, and implement uh, spaces for both co-working companies, but also. Uh, some of the Fortune 500 companies who are rethinking their internal space, we see co-working concepts coming through in many different flavors. And so um, something as simple as shared work settings is just really on the rise and thinking about seats in a very different way, that it's not assigned to a person anymore, that it's shared between uh, teams and that we're counting things very differently and, and creating different types of settings to, to respond to that. Excellent. Thank you guys all for joining us on The Big Dig. Thanks for awesome. the opportunity. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Big Dig. Stay tuned next month for our second installment, and be sure to check out buildup.com for all the latest CRE news.